What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. First NASCAR DFS podcast of the 2022 season. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by Matt Sells. He is the two-time Fantasy NASCAR Writer of the Year. Matt, how are you? How was the silly season or off season? It feels like it was just yesterday we were previewing Phoenix, and here we are looking at the clash in L.A. Yeah, it's pretty short, right? Like, it gets shorter every year, um, especially this year when they decided to jump the clash up by, like, two weeks, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So my silly season was good. It was busy. There was a lot of moving parts in NASCAR. And for those that don't know, I also do uh, basically the tools for Fantasy Alarm. So there was a lot of new tools, all those new NBA tools that you all have been spotting. Those all were designed this offseason, so... Um, you know, it's been pretty good. Um, hoping soon that I would, that, you know, I've been named a finalist for the 2021 FSWA Racing Writer of the Year. So we'll see how that turns out, I guess, some point in February. But, uh, yeah. How was your silly season there, Mr. Malin? Brief. Um, it was very brief. Got to finish up the football season and I enjoy, usually enjoy, you know, January and a little bit of February where it's it's kind of like my lighter year in terms of the content that I provide to Fantasy Alarm and DFS Alarm. Um, but, yeah, and we were actually talking a couple weeks ago how last season was kind of nice because we had a couple weeks off here and there for NASCAR. You know, I think it was, what, Mother's Day they get off and then Easter, and then we had the three-week Olympic break. And then we were looking at the schedule for this season – and we really only get one week off in the whole season. It's going to be an absolute marathon. So uh, we're here this week to preview the Clash. We'll be off next week since you know, nothing's really going to be going on the weekend of the Super Bowl. And then we'll be back in two weeks to preview the Daytona 500. Uh, basically, this podcast, it's going to preview the Clash. But also, we want to recap what happened in the offseason. We're not really going to go over so much the scoring. Uh, I did do an introduction to NASCAR DFS article. It is, I tried to write this article with the mindset that I didn't want anyone coming away with any questions. If you still have questions, please throw them into the NASCAR DFS uh, Discord channel. Uh, It's a lengthy piece. It's something you probably can't read in just one lunch break, so break it up a little bit. Um, But with that, Matt, should we just recap Silly Season uh, with a nice little segment called New Year Who Dis. Yeah, I think that would be a good way to go because there's a lot of there's a lot of info uh, coming at you here. Really, it's a new everything Who Dis uh, this year. So yeah, let's let's kick it off with some silly season recapping. All right, who do you want to start? I guess we could start off with Kislowski because this was probably the least surprising. Uh, since the news broke in the middle of last season. He is no longer with Penske in the two-car. He moves over to Roush Fenway, which now becomes Roush Fenway Kislowski or RFK Racing. He replaces Ryan Newman in the six-car. Do we think that Kislowski can somehow get that car back to the winning ways? Um, I mean, he's, let's face it, he's more talented at this point in his career than Ryan Newman was, right? Ryan Newman's heyday of being uh, the rocket where he, landed on the pole uh, literally 25% of the races he raced in. Uh, those were long since passed. So this will certainly be an improvement uh, over Ryan Newman, but I do think that team has quite a ways to go before they get really competitive. Um, but, you know, he got offered a, a part ownership, an, o- an ownership stake in the team, which is what really made it um, 
you know, intriguing for him. So I think we can expect Kozlowski to be competitive. I don't know if he's a title contender like he would have been had he stayed at Penske. Uh, taking his place in the two car is going to be Austin Sindrick. He gets the promotion from Xfinity. He ran a few races last year uh, with uh, Penske and did okay. You know, he's mostly running a part-time schedule while he ran a full-time schedule in Xfinity. Really came very close to repeating as the Xfinity Series champion, um, but was dethroned in Phoenix. Uh, what do we expect from Sindrick in the two car? We know the equipment is good. We know... You know, he has familial ties to this team. Um, do we think he can be a rookie that scores a win similar to Cole Custer two years ago? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. I mean, the two-car was competitive last year, right? And I don't think it was just the driver <clears throat> that was making it competitive. Everybody on Penske was pretty quick uh, most of the year. Uh, Blaney was certainly faster than most. But he's got a couple of really good teammates to learn from, right? And Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney are two of the best drivers to get mentorship from. His dad is obviously Sindrick's dad, that is, is director of uh, racing for Team Penske. So, you know, everybody – but the other thing to keep in mind is everybody is on an even footing this year because there's the next-gen car coming in, which – It's a good yeah. year to be a rookie. They're, they're, right, there's been a bunch of testing done this offseason, but nobody really knows how it's going to race in actual race conditions for actual race lengths of time. And um, they also get practice back. Now, it's abbreviated, right? It's only like 20 minutes for most tracks. Um, but that is time on the track before they go out for qualifying and before they, you know, send it full send into turn one on the first lap of the race. So... I think Sindrick can compete. Um, he's, you know, certainly got his specialties. Uh, he's quite good at road racing, which he'll have to dethrone a few other dudes at the cup level who are really good road racers. <laughs> it'll be pretty fun to watch him out there tussling with guys like Martin Truex Jr. and Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson um, in the in the road in the road races there. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing is no more, and that's quite unfortunate because they were a two-car team with two very good drivers in Kurt Busch in the one car, Ross Chastain in the 42. Uh, they go to separate teams this year. Kurt Busch will move to 23XI Racing, the team owned by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. He will become Bubba Wallace's teammate. He will step into the 45. Ross Chastain moves from the 42 to the number one, and he'll join Daniel Suarez at Trackhouse Racing. Uh, very intrigued by both these moves. Um, very interested to see what Trackhouse Racing can do. Obviously, they're well funded with, you know, the the uh, the, the kind of ownership that they have, most notably with Pitbull. Um, but Kurt Busch, Ross Chastain, is is Kurt Busch the one that we expect probably to do a little bit more, or are you a little bit weary of of the move to a new team and a new manufacturer? Um, so there's a. <clears throat> It's interesting, right? Because ordinarily you would take the veteran in this comparison, a guy like Kurt Busch who's been around the block, has driven for basically every manufacturer that's been in the sport, um, has driven for all sorts of teams and always makes them faster. Um, but here's the thing. He's also switching crew chiefs. He's switching manufacturers. And he's going to a team that, let's face it, I mean, they did get a win last year with Bubba Wallace, right? But it was at Talladega. So and it was but, shortened. 
and it was shortened. So yeah. there's kind of some asterisk there because it's a wild card race and it was shorter, right? Um, Win's a win, though. So a win is a win. We can't yeah. take that away from from Bubba Wallace. Can't, can't take it away from Chris Busher either. That's true. The fog, the fog win at Pocono. <laughs> um, and can't take it away from Justin Haley, who no, they can't <laughs> pit stop in the history of auto racing. Um, so I mean, I look. I think Kurt Busch is going to be competitive. I think there's some question marks about Trackhouse and if their cars can hold up, because that was always the knock with Daniel Suarez last year, right? Was can the equipment hold up? Because he always looked good. And then something would break, right? Famously on road courses, I think he went through six transmissions last year. Um, they do have a new shop, so that's encouraging. It's and an Ross amazing. Chastain, so... Ross Chastain gets to keep his crew chief from the 42 team, so that helps. Um, I guess I'll lean towards Kurt simply because he's the veteran um, and he's adjusted to stuff, plus it's Michael Jordan, who really wants to win some more. Um, but it's really close for me as to who who I would like better coming into this season. All right. Matt Benedetto is no longer in the 21 car for Wood Brothers Racing. He is going to be replaced by Harrison Burton, who is getting the bump up from Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing at the Xfinity Series level. Uh, what are the expectations for Burton this year? How long of a leash do you think he gets with Wood Brothers Racing? Obviously, they have the affiliation with uh, Penske. Um, I don't know. Can he make the 21 competitive this year? I thought he had a good start to 2021. I didn't necessarily love how he... I thought he looked a little inconsistent at times. You know, he he was capable of running up front in Xfinity, but ultimately uh, I expected a lot more from Burton in the 2021 season. I was a little surprised that he was getting the call up to the Cup Series. Yeah, I mean, he did win four times in two years in the Xfinity Series, right? Mm-hmm. And he basically run his course. Um, I'm not sure there was very many other drivers I would have picked from the Xfinity Series to come up and take the 21 car. Um, now, he does get the benefit of having Austin Sindrick's crew chief from the Xfinity Series last year join him in the 21 this year. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know that there's a lot expected from Harrison Burton this year. Obviously, the 21 team, their last win, I'm pretty sure, came with Ryan Blaney behind the wheel, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, can he sneak in and get a win? I don't know. I think a lot of things would have to go right for him for that to happen. Yeah. Um, but I do think it can be a decently competitive car. Look, it was fast last year. Granted, it was Matt Benedetto, except that guy now went down to the truck series. So um, I think if they can, and again, everybody's starting with a clean slate. Nobody's got notebooks on this car. Nobody really knows what it's going to drive like. Um, but I think a lot of stuff is going to have to go right for him to be consistently competitive in that car. A couple other new teams or just teams that are expanding. Uh, GMS Racing announced that it's running uh, the Cup Series in 2022, so they are expanding their reach outside the Truck Series. They will be running – actually, they purchased a majority of Richard Petty Motorsports, so GMS Racing becomes uh, Petty GMS Motorsports, something like that. Uh, they're going to be running a two-car team. Ty Dillon back in the Cup Series in the 42 car, and Eric Jones stays in the 43 car. Do we think that the purchase of GMS can somehow make the 43 car a little more competitive or 
Um, are we mostly just looking at uh, Ty Dillon on super speedways and Eric Jones only if he's starting outside the top 30? Yeah, I mean, I would put <laughs> Eric Jones starting outside the top 25, but yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Now, I know GMS has had success in the lower divisions. They've been pretty quick in those divisions, but finding speed in the Cup Series is a whole different ballgame. Um, Petty just wasn't terribly well-funded uh, for the last several years. Uh, it was kind of living off of Petty's name, but they weren't putting a whole lot of money into it, which made it very tough to find consistent speed. That being said, I think the influx of money is going to help with their you know, momentum, and momentum is generally everything in, in motorsports. So while I'm happy to see Ty Dillon back in the Cup Series, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're going to be laying off of them most weeks unless... You're tempering expectations, essentially? Yeah, yeah basically. Okay. Uh, College Racing uh, has come on strong the last few years in the Xfinity Series. They have purchased two charters. They're going to be running two full-time te- teams. Justin Haley will be in the 31 car, and the 16 car is going to be split between A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick, and Noah Gragson. Um, I kind of have high expectations for Colleague. I, I know it's it's a year of mystery because we're getting, you know, the next-gen car, uh, but we are getting a return to practice and qualifying. I'm excited to see what Justin Haley can do. He showed in the Xfinity series that, you know, he's not just a super speedway darling. He did look pretty good on road courses at times. Um, I'm very excited to see what this team can do. I'm not going to bank on a win, but, you know, I think that they'll be able to make some noise, especially when you have a veteran guy like A.J. Allmendinger able to run a few races as well. Yeah, I think that's where the intrigue comes in, right, is A.J. Allmendinger getting back into the Cup Series where he was pretty good. I mean, he only had, I think, one, maybe two wins to his credit in the Cup Series in his career, but he's a really good driver, obviously, won the regular season Xfinity title um this past year won a cup race last year too yeah as a part-time driver yeah so you know it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could win i do find it pretty hilarious though that justin haley according to vegas odds has better odds to win the championship than bubba wallace does um i think that's a little bit insulting to bubba wallace (laughs) to be honest right um but I mean, it's not like either of them are close, right? Justin Haley's going off at ninety to one, and Bubba Wallace is a hundred to one. But still, I think it's I, I, I think the hype bubble is real on Colleague, but I don't think it should be quite as big as it is. Uh, I guess the last piece of information, uh, JTG, JTD, JTG Doherty is condensing to a one card team. They will primarily focus with Ricky Stenhouse. You and I both have our suspicions that that team is just bleeding money. Uh, so that leaves Ryan Priest uh, slightly unavailable. He's going to run a limited number of races across all three series in 2022. But he is joining Stuart Haas Racing as a reserve driver. Uh, we obviously think that long term, this could mean big things for him, especially with Eric Almarola uh, retiring from the 10 car after this year. Um, I don't know. I've, this feels like similar to a John Hunter Nemechek type move when he uh, stepped out of the 38 car, went down to Kyle Busch Motorsports and had a very good year last year in the truck series. And we expect JHN over time to eventually make his way back up to the Cup Series, um, presumably in a Toyota ride. But do you think that this is a smart long term move for Priest? Oh, I totally do. The 38 car has been not great 
uh, for a pretty long time at this point. Um, you know, we saw Hemrick kind of do the same thing, right, where he kind of washed out at the cup level and then went back down to Xfinity and got himself a quality ride and then won the championship. Um, so the benefit for Priest here is that he gets basically all of the simulator time that he wants. Like, he will be the guy that does the simulator work for Stuart Haas Racing. So he's going to be able to drive, essentially, the next-gen car on every track that they go to and test different setups and already see what he likes and doesn't like before he gets on the track in these cars during his part-time schedule this year. And then presumably he takes over the 10 car next year. I don't see why you sign him to this deal, have one of your drivers announce that this is the last year for them and then not have a plan to put that guy who's already raced a couple of years in the cup series into that car. Like I, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that they would waste Ryan priest that way. So I think this is a very good move for priest for 2023. I think he hits the ground running in 2023. Um, having gotten a bunch of essentially free practice time on this car. All right. So that kind of wraps up the silly season moves for the cup series. Uh, what are we looking at in terms of the schedule this year? Last year saw, you know, for most years, a lot of fans clamored for more road courses after, you know, only getting Sonoma and Watkins Glen and the Roval on the schedule. Last year, we had about seven. I know this year they're taking one off the track, and we're also getting um, another short-ish track uh, out in St. Louis. You know, what is the schedule looking like this year? What races are falling off? Why isn't Texas falling off? Uh, and what races are we getting? So Texas, I have its suspicions will fall off when North when North Wilkesboro is ready for a cup race, which looks to be a lot sooner than people thought. Also, could fall off for Nashville Fairgrounds. Is North Wilkesboro the one that like part like the back stretch or the home stretch is going up an incline and then the opposite side of the track is okay. That that yeah, that's the one that they I raced on during 2020. If we remember, they were broadcasting the I races and one of them was at North Wilkesboro. Because uh, they had had, because Dale Jr. went out and physically handpicked the weeds out of the track mm-hmm. so that iRacing could scan it. Um, well, they're bringing the track back. I mean, the North Carolina governors, you know, put money towards it. The SM, uh, Marcus Smith is putting money towards it. They have every intention of bringing that track back to the cup level. Um, they, in fact, I think last week released renderings of what the track is going to look like when they're done with it. Uh, so that national fairgrounds, I think are going to kick Texas and one other one off the, uh, schedule in the upcoming years. But, um, you know, this year, I guess it kind of starts as we kind of expected with, you know, obviously Daytona 500 and then auto club, we get back on the schedule and they haven't raced there since the... Early 20, it was yeah. yeah, and it was one of the last races they ran before COVID shut it down, and then they didn't go back to it last year. And they're giving it one more race at the two-mile distance because after they race at it this year, they're tearing that sucker down and turning it into a high-banked half-mile, like Bristol of the West Coast. Um, it's going to be fun. So a lot of the tracks are going to be the same. Atlanta just completely repaved itself. Uh, and reconfigured itself too so it's like a lot steeper 
and new pavement, and they're going to run the Daytona Talladega package on Atlanta. So yay for that. <laughs> and they're still raising Atlanta twice. So now there's six, six plate races essentially this year, which is yay. Um, so Coda makes a return, which is great because I didn't think last it year. It didn't get a fair run last year. It didn't get a fair run in the rain last year. Um, you can ask Kurt Busch all about that as he found every nook and cranny of that racetrack. <laughs> Um, Bristol Dirt is back, and I don't know how I feel about that, to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, we do get, uh, a couple, uh, new tracks with Worldwide Technology Raceway, or as it's also known, Gateway. And those of you that do truck racing will n- be familiar with it, because the trucks race there every year. And I'm pretty happy about it, because it's like a second track, like Darlington, basically. Two ends of the track are yeah shaped like darlington banking's completely different though yeah um it's it's gonna be fun nashville's back so yeah we got a you know we got a decent return here on some tracks um michigan is down to one date pocono is down to one date thank god so that's that's pretty nice to see the idea of two like a doubleheader weekend at Pocono, at Pocono was nice, but then the execution of it was a snooze fest. Yeah, it was not. It was. <laughs> it was pretty boring. I mean, the <clears throat> most exciting part was when what Larson blew a tire. He thought he had it won, and he blew a tire, right? And then Bowman was it Bowman that caught him? Yeah, I think Bowman caught him. One of his teammates caught him. Um, so we lose the Daytona Road Course, which is fine. Yep. Because now we're down to six road races, and that's that's perfectly okay with me. Um, so yeah, you know it's it's a pretty reasonably standard schedule. Homestead is back in the playoffs, which is fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, to be perfectly honest, but the the biggest thing is that it's going to be a massive grind this year because uh, there's one off weekend for the Cup Series. One once the Daytona <laughs> 500 happens between. February 20th and November 6th. The only off weekend is Father's Day. That's it. They're racing on Mother's Day. They're racing on Easter. So it's going to be a grind, people. So let's buckle up. We're going to get 36 points paying races in 37 weeks. I guess the last thing to talk about before we break down strategy for the Clash uh, New Year, new car. What are we expecting? Obviously, we've had testing done at Daytona, I think Charlotte, Atlanta, and most recently Phoenix. What has been the response to the cars? What are we expecting with the cars? Is the presence of a new car um, changing your DFS strategy earlier in the year? Are you playing a little lighter? I I know I certainly am. Uh, yeah, we're going to be playing a little lighter simply because uh, not a lot of the track history is going to carry any weight. Because the track histories that we looked at were generally done on the Gen 6 car, right? So this Gen 7 car or the next Gen car. Um, I think the once it got onto the track, I think a lot more people started to like the car. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still groups of NASCAR fans that will hate anything about everything. There are um, groups of NASCAR fans that are going to hate it solely because it's different and new. Right. And one of them said it sounds like a farting hippopotamus. Okay. <laughs> I mean, 
all right, but you're really going to hate a car because of the sound? Like, have you heard <laughs> the high-powered go-karts that are that is F1 and that gets the highest rating it's ever had in the U.S.? So uh, you're just complaining about things to complain about things. I think it's going to take some getting used to for some fans because it is a single lug nut car now. There's not a five. There's not five lug nuts. There's one lug nut. It is an 18-inch wheel, which is new. Um but I think now that they dialed in the spoiler size and the horsepower, I think the drivers are pretty happy with uh, how it's handled um, in the tests. I think the drafting that happened at Daytona was what NASCAR wanted to see. Um, and so I think there, there's going to be a lot of getting used to it still, obviously. Um, there's... Depends on who you talk to, but some people say that there's less you can tweak on the car, and some people say that it's the same amount, even though all of the parts are controlled by NASCAR. Basically, everybody's getting the same parts. The bodies are just different. Mm -hmm. um, but I think people will find loopholes and ways to, to find speed. They always do, right? Yeah, I still expect, like, the cream to rise to the top. I still expect the best yeah. drivers to ultimately be the best drivers still. And, and by the way, at Phoenix in a car that had never been on that track before against a bunch of other cup drivers. I mean, that was a huge test. Kyle Larson ran the fastest lap time by 0.15 seconds. So Larson is still fast. Like, newsflash, <laughs> guy still fast. So I think it'll be quite a lot of fun to, to watch these guys have to get used to new cars. Uh, you'll see a lot more off-throttle time this year than you have in the last few years which will be very nice because people that want to full send it will still be able to but you're going to lose a lot of uh handling in the corners so that should be fun to fun to see all right and i guess i'll clarify when i say like i'm not playing lighter throughout the entire season right. i'm also just playing light obviously for the clash daytona probably the first couple of races i just want to get my eyeballs on the cars see who is running well in them, see how the cars are, are looking overall. Um, well, with like, that, to, to clarify your point there, and it's a good one, can't take anything from the clash, right? right? We're going to see the clash on, you're going to see practice qualifying heat races and then the clash this weekend. It's a quarter of a mile track, folks. It's a purpose-built track in a football stadium. You're never going to see it again unless they decide to do it next year. But in terms of being able to take anything from it, doesn't really – you can't, right? Then you get the Daytona 500, which is always a crapshoot, and it doesn't matter what happens on that track. It's pointless to take anything away from it because it's a crapshoot of a race. Then they go to Auto Club, which they haven't raced on in two years, and now it's a new – now it's new cars, new tires, new teams. So – it's a brand new day for auto club, right? Then we get Vegas and Phoenix. Okay. Two tracks. They raced on last year, new car. That's the first time we're going to be able to take anything we see from the track and compare it to other tracks because it's a mile and a half track and a mile track. Then you go to Atlanta. Well, that's cool, but Atlanta's a whole new track and they're running a different package. So the first like four or five races of the year, not a whole lot. We can, take from each one to start building our notebook for later in the season all right now we are going to move on to our next segment living life a quarter mile at a time this is going to be a track breakdown uh matt kind of just did a quick little preview of it this is a, 
a purpose-built track specifically just for racing in the LA Coliseum. It is, it's half the size of Martinsville. Um, it's going Think to be of your high school track, but wider. Yeah, I mean it's it's flat. It's a very very short track. They're only going to be running 23 cars in the actual clash. I mean, is there anything else to touch on in terms of track configuration? Not really. There's not a pit road either, by the way. So they're going to take a break partway through and everybody's going to peel off the track mm-hmm. and I guess get work done off of the track. Um, <clears throat> if you want kind of an idea of how this would look, just look for clips of the Madhouse or um, Bowman Gray Stadium. It's a, a football stadium in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, that they, they race on for ARCA series cars, and it's basically the same concept, right? It's like a quarter of a mile track built around a football field. Um, and it's kind of crazy. They call it the Madhouse for a reason. It's it's nuts. So, um, we'll see what we can see from practice on Saturday afternoon, and then there's going to be single car qualifying on Saturday night. That single car qualifying sets the order for the heat races. There are four heat races that happen Sunday afternoon. The top, what, four from each heat race? I believe it's the top four from each heat race. And then make it through to the main event. And then everybody else goes to the last chance qualifying races, of which there's two. And the and top three top, from those. The top three from those make it. And the heat races, by the way, I think are 25 laps apiece. The last yep. chance qualifying races are 50 laps apiece. And then after the last chance qualifying, the highest driver from the standings last year that has not yet qualified becomes the 23rd driver into the A main, if that's what we're going to call it, basically, which is a 150 lap race, except it's in two segments of 75 because there's like a halftime show with a concert. Uh, so yeah, that's basically the, so we're not going to know the full field until about an hour before the a main. So you're going to want to, just because a guy qualifies first, doesn't mean he's actually making the race. Right. So you could build mock lineups on Saturday night from qualifying, but doesn't mean any of those guys are actually going to make the 23 car field. So just keep that in mind. We're going to be tinkering with them all the way up until 6 p.m. Eastern, which is when the race is on Sunday. So ultimately, how are you looking to build lineups for the clash? I mean, we get 150 laps, so that gives us about 105 dominator points to work with. Right. By the way, uh, side note, FanDuel, we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, FanDuel released their pricing some point Wednesday, late Wednesday afternoon uh, for the clash. And no scoring changes for FanDuel for the Clash. I don't suppose that they're changing. They're not going to change anything for the regular season. So They never do. They don't learn. No. So that means five drivers on FanDuel, six drivers on DraftKings, a tenth of a point per lap led and per lap completed on FanDuel, and a half a point, plus or minus a half a point, for a position differential. On DraftKings, it's... 0.45 0.45 points for fastest laps. Uh, it's a quarter of a point for every lap led, and it's plus or minus one whole point for position differential, and then you get points for where they finish. So 
in terms of how I'm building lineups, I'm certainly going to look for who's starting in the front row because I expect it to be pretty danged hard to pass, to pass yeah. on a quarter of a mile flat track. <laughs> Whoever gets the inside is just never going to let off. the. Especially with like, well, lap traffic is going to come into play very quickly here. Yes. Think about how fast <laughs> it comes into play in Martinsville and then shrink the track <laughs> by half. Yeah. So, so you can't pass at Martinsville. You get guys who can click off 400 laps led at Martinsville. And it's a, it's a track that's half the size. So um, I would say that, yeah, we're going to go for one dominator. I don't suppose we're getting two in a 150-lap race. I don't, I don't see that. I think one guy is going to lead, I don't know, probably 75% of the laps. And then from there, we're looking at guys who are actually decent on flat tracks. Short Corolla. Yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> um, if Eric Amarola makes the uh, makes the main event, he's going to be a popular play. He's well, gonna... I'll say this. He's a guy that should always be a popular play on short flag tracks. Yes. And then for whatever reason, his ownership comes in around 10 to 12%, and I'm still mind blown as to why it's so low. Uh, but if he qualifies, I'm only doing five lineups for the Clash. If he qualifies, he'll be in at least two, probably maybe even three or four. Yeah. By the way, caution laps do not count in the clash. Right. So if there's a pileup, well, <laughs> correction, when there's a pileup, um, those caution laps don't count. So you're not getting, you're not going to get free laps led like we normally would if there's a caution, right? So that's one thing to keep in mind, but yeah, other than that, I'm going for one laps led dominator, and then the other guys, um, hoping that they can finish in the top five to ten spots, depending on where they start. Now, how much do you want to dive into actual driver previews? Because I think we're going to be – the playbook this week is free, correct? Uh, yeah, the first two weeks, actually. So here's what I'll say. I think that, you know, we're not going to know the actual 23 driver field until Sunday. Um, and we'll be in the Discord, you know, talking about, you know, which drivers we like, which drivers we're going to be heavy on. Matt is still going to have a playbook out either Saturday or Sunday that's going to be highlighting drivers. I'm sure it's going to have drivers that don't qualify. That's why if you want up-to-date information, please join us in the Discord to ask questions just about the qualifying order. Yeah, it'll be out, it'll be out Saturday. <clears throat> I'll do my best to... Take a look at the guys I think are going to qualify. Um, and then, you know, we'll put what well, basically it's going to be treated like the all star race, right? Because we yeah. generally don't know the full field for the all star race until about an hour and a half before the race, right? So if there are edits, I will come through and add edits if there's a significant change. If not, it's going to be in the Discord. Um, but really the only piece of content this week aside from the podcast and Discord chatter is going to be a playbook. Because I'm not going to do example lineups for this race. Can't do it. There's no way. Um, not with the format of how they're putting together the field. Um, and no projections because, again, there's really zero way to project it without, <laughs> without 
We're not going to know starting There's spot. no track. There's no, like, previous track data. Like, we don't have anything really to go off. So, so I'll say this, though. In terms of lineup construction, I anticipate maybe 85 to 90% of lineups to ha- spend at least $49,000 on DraftKings. If you want really good leverage to really get contrarian, don't hesitate to leave money on the table because with DraftKings, it's going to be very easy to build lineups since there are only seven drivers that are above the average cost per driver. So the average cost per driver on DraftKings is $8,333. There are seven drivers that are more expensive than that. The rest of the field is under that. So, And by the way, the top driver on DraftKings isn't even as high as we normally see the top. Like, usually you'll see the top driver at 12000 right? 12000 right. I've seen them as high as twelve five, or I think when Larson was reeling off five straight last year, he got up to twelve eight. Right, he's ten thousand. Yeah. So it's not even prohibitive to put him in because he's only seventeen hundred more than your average spot. So yeah, I'm with you, Dan. That leaving treating. Also, and I I think that if you want leverage and to truly get contrarian, when most of the field is going to probably be looking to spend most of the budget, I will say like maybe two of my lineups will be looking to spend most of my money. But then with the other three, since I'm playing light, I'm not going to be afraid to get a little contrarian if I really think that that's my best shot at potentially taking this down. Some of my best Xfinity and truck lines last year were when I was leaving more money on the table just because that was allowing me to get a little more weird and just be different and contrarian with my lineups. So that's my one bit of advice is that, you know, while we're not going to be previewing too many drivers in this podcast, if any at all, I will say the one piece of strategy that you should take away is for this, if this is your first time playing NASCAR DFS, or if you're just gonna be playing light, if you wanna try and take down you know, a $1 three entry contest, don't hesitate to leave money on the table, especially this week. Yep, agreed. Uh, I do also, I will have another piece of content out Thursday afternoon on PicksWise. Um, my betting content will be on PicksWise.com this year. It's also in the, if you go to, uh fantasy alarm or dfs alarm you'll see it right in the middle of the top header there um it is attached with fantasy alarm and dfs alarm it is a completely free site you do not need a subscription to see any of the betting information on that site it's completely free um so i already have a season primer on how to bet nascar that's up there and thursday afternoon i will have my picks for the season long championship uh bets as well as picks for the clash um up there as well so you can find all my betting stuff every thursday afternoon during the during the uh season uh do we have a promo code for new new and or returning users for our nascar package yes so nascar uh i believe nascar pro will get you Uh, a discount and if you want an even bigger discount and you're not following me on twitter yet you probably should be uh it's at the salesman which is t-h-e-s-e-l-z-m-a-n uh if you give me a follow all new followers i get will get a promo code for 50 percent off whoa so nascar pro will get you uh, a discount but if you follow me on twitter uh or simply you know, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. You'll get a 50% off promo code for the package. 
All right. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? I know we're not really diving into drivers. I just wanted to talk a little bit of like silly season as well as just some strategy because this is going to be, it's going to be nice to get racing back and have something to watch on Sunday with no, no football, no hockey this weekend. Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on regarding this race? Um, no, I mean, it should be fun. It's going to be different, right? They have the clash every year, but it's usually like a 20 car race at Daytona or last year was at the Daytona road course. Um, so, I like it to be something different. Like NASCAR is like one of those sports that, you know, it, it, it took a long time for it to start taking risks and changes. And so I think it's already done its part to kind of get people talking about NASCAR and the fact that they're running a race in the LA Coliseum. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Also, it's no uh, secret at this point that they timed it for the week before the Super Bowl that's in LA. Um you know, you catch the the eyes of everybody who's not got anything to do uh, <laughs> in the off week on a Sunday and focus on the second largest media market in the world. Um, so, yeah, I, I will say that, you know, there is a content get, you know, content preview piece up on DFS Alarm for NASCAR as well. That kind of goes through what what all you'll get this year. So in a normal week, um, you will get uh podcast from dan and i and occasionally special guests uh you will also get a track breakdown on thursdays for the cup race that'll give you all of the stats you need to know for every driver in the field uh facts you need to know about the track strategy notes tire notes a whole bunch of stuff um then you'll get betting pieces which are free uh you will also get content from mr malin for the truck series and xfinity series uh, and occasionally I will pop in for those if he needs an off weekend. Um, you get race projections for the Cup Series that are updated all the way up until lineup lock. Uh, you'll get rankings for cash and GPP games on both sites for almost every race. Um, playbook for the Cup Series in which we break down the best plays for you to use for that week's race. Um, and you'll also now get example lineups this this year we're going back to the example lineup folks um those by the way i will say right off the bat they are not meant to play they are samples various lineups and strategies but we'll have some explainers in there as to why certain guys fit lineups the way they do um and there'll also be prize picks articles and if you haven't used the Lineup generator? What the hell are you waiting for? That means <laughs> it, like three years. I personally spent six months of my life working with a program building it. So, yeah, it works pretty well. Um, it works for the Cup Series right now because we don't have Xfinity truck projections. But that's what you get with the NASCAR package, folks. And it was fire last year. I took down the Daytona 500, and then the first seven weeks of the year, we had one member, at least one member of Fantasy Alarm Nation winning uh, prizes with commas in them. So we love commas. Yeah, we were on fire. Uh, the betting picks, um, final tally last year, I called 59% of the race winners in my betting pieces last year. And a bunch of those winners went off at plus a thousand to plus eight thousand. That's right, we hit a plus eight thousand winner. 
uh, Eric Amarola in New Hampshire. Guess what? Flat track people. That's why you bet him on a flat short track. Um, called the Daytona 500 winner. So yeah, a lot of good content rolling out. You should probably be signing up if you haven't already. Because now is a perfect time to hop on the sport with the best DFS sweat out there. All right, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we will be in the Discord this weekend. Uh, obviously, we'll be pushing the promo code. We will be in there answering all your questions uh, leading up to the Clash at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll even be in there as we are watching the first few heats live. Uh, so come on in, play a little NASCAR DFS, uh, get your feet wet, and then we'll get you ready for the Daytona 500 in two weeks. So, Matt, best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.